0: And welcome back into the latest edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. He is George Bremer. I am Ryan Hickey. We are here on Wednesday morning, a day after the final Colts joint practice of training camp against the Eagles. And George, it's a good thing you are not in Philly. We're kind of joking about last week with the Bears joint practice. Hey, steer clear of the fights, George. It's your last day of training camp. We don't want you going down with an injury. Seen a lot of fights um, really spawning all throughout training camp across the NFL and boy, oh boy, did the Colts and Eagles save the best for last. A full team brawl that really ended uh, practice early and got, you know, ended, if you want to call it officially, training camp. Ended that on an earlier note than uh, than expected. George, again, I am happy that you are safe and sound. I'm happy that you were not in filling and didn't have to throw any fist of cuffs to let anyone know who's boss here if the fight got too close to you.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you go to Philly, you got to be tough, right? I mean, we know that. Tough, tough town. Sure. Tough, tough crowd. I'm just, I'm shocked. I don't know if fans were allowed. I'm shocked the fans didn't get in there, too. I as mean, Philly fans, I expect them to be part of the brawl.
0: That's a great point. That's one stadium, honestly, around the NFL where I will not go to. <laughs> or if I do, not wear any Colts gear. That's for sure. I know that there's not a big rivalry there, but. That, that, those, you are right. Those Philly fans are tough, man. And Is the
1: yeah. bravest thing you can do in the NFL wear a Giants jersey to, to Philadelphia?
0: I would say so. Cowboys, probably, anyone in that NFC East is to wear that proudly and walk into that stadium, especially for a night game. Ooh. Oh boy, yeah, that's... Bravest that's slash last dumbest. <laughs> probably dumbest <laughs> first. Maybe yeah. a little bit brave, but definitely a lot, a lot more dumb, to say the least. So that right, that fight led by you know Zaire Franklin taking Kenneth Gainwell down. Now we didn't. There's not a lot of video. Not a lot of media was there. So, what is your definition of taking you know or going too hard? We do not know. Clearly, Jason Kelsey, the Eagles thought it was over the line. He goes and blindsides Zaire, and that just sparks the entire team rushing into the middle of the field. Look, we kind of thought this was a few weeks ago, George. Like I don't really understand why there's so many fights in joint practices, especially when they are supposed sort of to mimic game-like atmospheres. And again, you are rarely, we'll say, going to get in a fight in, a, in an NFL game. And I just, for me, I don't get the life, uh, I don't really understand, like, the, the mindset of, oh, let's just fight this guy and punch someone with a helmet on, by the way. I mean, I play right. high school football, so I'm not going to try to pretend I'll be a hero. I'd never thought to punch someone in the helmet. And I don't know how that's going to, like, benefit you, George, if you are the puncher, oh, I'm gonna hit this guy right in the head for helmets that are built to withstand big blows to the head. Like, that punch ain't doing anything.
1: But That's one of my best memories from my you know, My very brief and, and uneventful playing career was on a kickoff, there was a fight in one of our games. I wasn't involved in it. One of the players that was was coming off the field. Coach asked him just to grab him by the face Masters. He's wearing a helmet. What do you think you're going to do?
0: So, and, like, these guys are pros. I don't know what they're thinking. A broken wrist for them is 30 times more impactful than it is for us in high school uh, if a fight ever breaks out. But outside of the, the the stupidity, one thing I'll say is this, George. Last year, this team was dead, right? In the sense that they showed no fight. They did not stick up for one another. I mean, the perfect example of that, right, is, is Nick Foles getting taken to the ground, hurting himself in this cave on Thibodeau, celebrating with the snowmen. Everyone, especially the offensive line, is basically watching it happen and no one said boo yeah. at least it's good to see George bare minimum again we talked about the records that matter and we talked about this year only being about Anthony Richardson's development it is nice though George and I hope we see this fight continue into the season I mean obviously not brawl fighting but if this team like show some fight and they are scrappy at least they're not going to back what? at anyone and they're not afraid that's all I could ask for George this season outside of Richardson's development show some damn fight Show some pride,
1: dog. Obviously agrees with this. He's ready
0: to show some fight too. Let's go.
1: Ready to fight. They're both ready to fight right now. I think they're they've got that Philly mentality right now. <laughs> it's yeah. I think that uh, from that standpoint, I do think it's important. You know that they they went and they defended Zaire Franklin, and and you know they they didn't stand and, and watch as he got pummeled, uh, which you feel like might have happened last year. Although the defense has never been that way, um, so you know I think they were probably always going to fly to, to their teammates' uh, defense. But ultimately, I I think you can stop a lot of this by, by starting to levy fines. Right now, I don't think people understand, you know, practice is sort of the wild, wild west. Joint practices are still fairly new, to the extent that we've seen them. They've happened for a long time, but to, to the point where it's an every year occurrence and teams are doing it with multiple other teams now. Uh, that's that's been mostly an answer to losing that fourth preseason game. The teams are now saying, hey, we'll do these joint practices, we'll get the extra snaps. We'll see what we need to see and it's also why you're seeing more of the bottom roster guys play in the actual preseason games because they're saying, we'll get the starter snaps and joint practices and then we'll evaluate everybody in the preseason, you know, as far as cuts go. But so I think it's kind of a newer phenomenon that you're seeing it happen where I, pretty much every week there's a joint practice, um, somebody, you know, and, but the NFL's never thought to really have any rules. It's the Wild West when it comes to that because who's going to sit down and say, let's do fines for practices when you're generally practicing with, with themselves? Teams are left to police that right. on their own. I think if you get to the point where there's a set like there is for games, you know, they're, they're, if, if you told them, hey, if you're going to fight in joint practice, you're not playing in the game on Saturday or you know there's going to be a fine involved, you'd probably see a lot of it stop. But right now, it's sort of like middle school out, out in the schoolyard. Like, you did what to my buddy and now I'm going to come after you and now your friends are coming after me. And it's the same mentality because there is there's no – at the end of the day, there's no penalty for it.
0: True. All right. You're not going to get ejected from practice. Most players I'm sure actually would welcome that. So if anything, it's almost like a incentive. Oh, let's get in a fight. Let's go home early and let's get out of here sort of thing. But I guess the fines aside, because you're right, that's probably the best way to enforce or prevent, I should say, or lessen a lot of these fights from breaking out, especially a full team brawl. But it it is nice, especially again, last year, Georgia, like we talked about instilling culture. Right? That, that's a buzzword for every new coach that comes in. What is your culture? And for Shane Steichen, even though we hope and believe a lot of rosters are going to be turned over by the time this team is truly going to be playoff contenders in a few years, um, that you could steal your culture right now, and that is going to be a a culture where, again, they don't back down, you defend your guy, and you're not going to be intimidated. Like, it's easy, George, to go into the defending NFC champions house where you see this loaded roster ever, all these guys that are, that's that have accomplished a ton. And for the Colts, you know, roster being on the younger side and, again, not a lot of all pros, not a lot of pro bowlers on this team compared to what you're seeing in Philly. I think it's easy to be intimidated and or in awe of what you're practicing against and almost, like, be, like, in a way, starstruck of just, like, wow, this team is so great. Look, look how good they are. Like, this is incredible. From that perspective, it's nice to see, George, that they're not intimidated. And like, oh, look, if you want to go, we're, you know, let's go. Like, one of those things where you're not going to push us around that is what this team has to show this year. They lacked it last year. And I really hope that that's one of the areas Shane Psyche can really bring to this team is showing some scrappiness. And again, not in a literal physical fight sense this year, but it's like every game, even if they're like three and fourteen this year, George. But if they're in most games, that's all I can ask for. Yeah. You know, no, like it, that's all. And I think too,
1: it's a sign that you know that they're still together as a team. You wonder with everything going on with Jonathan Taylor you know, is there a fissure? Is, is there a split in the locker room? And then there may be, but we at least know, you know, push literally comes to shove. They've got each other's
0: back. I think definitely the last month of the season, this team quit really probably starting that second half against the, the Vikings. They quit. And again, that leads into why the giants game happened and why the cave Thibodeau incident happened. They just mailed it in. So like I said, if they could just show fight for 17 games, that's honestly a small part of what I'm asking for. And we kind of saw at least a little bit of at least the not backing down mentality Tuesday in Philadelphia. Speaking of Philly, and it's getting ready now for the final preseason game on Thursday, George. Uh, Shane Sykin made an announcement. He is, unlike uh, preseason game number two, is going to start Anthony Richardson here and preseason game number three. Now, I said everyone else, the other 10 starters in offense up in the air case-by-case basis here. But number one, let's just start right off the bat here. Anthony Richardson is going to start Creasy's finale here on Thursday night. Right move in your mind or wrong move?
1: Yeah, right move. I mean, we talked about it before the Bears game that I would have played him. We didn't get to talk a lot about it afterwards because I was on PUP. Uh, But, you know, I I still – I would have played him in that game. I I don't – I wouldn't make it the federal case that I think it's become from a lot of people – Um, because I don't know at the end of the day, I don't know that 15 or 20 snaps against the bears backups is, is really worth, you know, an entire episode of PTI or whatever. Like I I just know that it's become that, that big of a deal. Uh, but I do think he needs to play. I mean, that's, that's the most obvious thing out there. They've said from day one, inexperience is the big factor with this guy. And, um, you know, so you want to get him out there and, and get him reps and especially against the Eagles because I'll tell you the Eagles' twos are better than the Bears' ones they may they're, they're better than probably a lot of teams ones so even if you're uh, out there Eagles twos you're getting really really good reps so you know I I think it's I think some right call to get them out there and I also think you know we saw we talked about this a little bit before the pod we saw a lot of guys come back Brian Kelly is back uh you know Drew Ogletree was back Mo Ali Cox was back. They haven't played together. They didn't even practice together that much. Definitely haven't played together. So, just to get that first team offense or, or most of it out there, you know, even if it's just one series, it would be the only series they played together in the preseason. So, you know, I, I think it's worth it.
0: Um, I agree with all of what we said. So, I'm not going to repeat it because I think you nailed, hit the nail on the head of why Richardson should play. I, the guy's inexperienced sitting on the sideline again, even though it's just preseason, even if it's for two drives, I don't think, again, it benefits him more. Play him. Let him even get those 15 or 20 plays. I think it's only going to make him a better quarterback going forward, especially, like I said, the level of competition you're going to play where it looks like the Eagles are going to play mostly uh, their backups on Thursday. Still, Their backups for how deep they are are better than, like I said, most teams' ones, especially the Colts right now, how they're trending. So that's going to be some great work for him. But I'll say is this. I think Richardson's starting the right move. With that said, if you're Shane Steichen, you got to put your starting offensive five out there as well on the offensive line, or at least your starting four, because right now it looks like Will Fries, who did miss uh, Tuesday's joint practice, still with that leg injury. I mean, Carter O'Donnell subbing in at right guard. Four to the five need to start. Because, again, with how talented that Eagles defensive line is and with how bad the Colts' depth is on the offensive line, you can't risk that level of talent on the defense, that little talent on offense, and thinking that's going to work for a series or two, let, you know, not let not only Anthony Richardson have a chance to sit back there and and run the offense, you know, functionally, but also to give your offensive line some work. You know, this is again, a work in progress. It's very tough in training camp now with the lack of physicality to work your way into becoming an offensive line. That's going to work as a unit by the time week one rolls around. This is a small opportunity outside of the joint practice you had on Tuesday, which we'll get into in a second. Did not go very well for the offensive line whatsoever. Get a chance. So again, iron, sharpen, iron. Put Quinn Nelson out there. Put Braden Smith out there. Get Bernard Ryman out there. Get Ryan Kelly out there. And uh, go get better, but also, too, make sure that bare minimum, you are protecting your fourth overall pick and not literally feeding him to the Wolves by putting Carter O'Donnell and Wesley French out there to block his blindside.
1: Absolutely. And I think, you know... To me, you need those those top guys out there, too, in large part because there's a good chance, a likelihood, this Philadelphia defense knows the Colts' offense better than the Colts do. They practice against it last year every day. They've seen it for two years, some of them. You know, the guys that have been around long enough, they know what's going on. I go back to that Super Bowl, you know, between the Bucks and the Raiders when John Gruden was going against his old team, and they knew everything the Raiders are going to run, and it was obvious throughout that Super Bowl, that's, that's the situation the Colts are going into this weekend. There's no doubt the Eagles know this offense. They know what the Colts – I'm sure when they see a certain motion or they see you know a certain formation, they know what's coming. And so to protect the quarterback who's going to have a rough day because of that alone, you better have your best guys out there with them. I, I don't see how – it makes any sense in, in any other way.
0: Going back to that Super Bowl fast, didn't like the Buccaneers know like the audibles? Like didn't the Raiders not even change your terminology whatsoever?
1: Yep. Yeah, the, the Raiders didn't even change their terminology, which hopefully Shane Sykin has at least oh. changed the checks and the audibles. But you got to figure,
0: you know, Holy they see a, a
1: certain motion or they see a certain formation. The Eagles know what's coming.
0: And I guess we'll find out the first play if Anthony Richardson's going out green, green, and all of a sudden the entire defense like shifts to the right, and that's like a screen. I yeah, Shane like, does that seem like a dummy? I don't. Th- I think he's at least really smart enough to change the terminology he used in Philly now. <laughs> the Colts, but boy, oh boy, the Raiders, certainly for whatever reason thought, oh, we won't change the term. They won't. Re- John Gruden won't remember what this. We'll <laughs> just let it roll. <laughs> Holy cow! Oh boy, George. But yes, um. Give your offense, give your offense a chance here. And again, too, like we've talked about. Look, it was a little bit with the with the Bills where I, they moved the ball at least, but couldn't get in the end zone and couldn't score any points. You saw it against uh, Chicago. Even in the joint practices, the offense was it was tough sledding when they were trying to move the ball. It's not like the Colts offense has let it up where they can kind of sit back on their laurels and say, you know what, we don't really need this extra pra- this extra practice, or these extra reps here in the preseason game. We'll kick it up. We'll let Anthony Richardson play, but we're going to rest most other starters. George, they need as many reps as they can get. They need as much practice and experience as they can get before the season starts uh, on September 10th. Not only because they're nowhere near where they have to be just pure talent-wise and, and pure running the offense at a smooth level-wise, but also, too, you mentioned before, Ryan Kelly's been banged up. Uh, Braden Smith's been banged up. Jerold Guthrie's been banged up. Jelani Wood's been banged up. like Cox has been banged up. Most of those guys, most, um, Not all, but most are returning now and returned uh, on Tuesday. So it's like just a bare minimum, get some continuity, get some, get these guys some real life reps before they basically go into Lucas all stadium week. Number one and get, you know, for the first time, kind of, if you will, going live, just a dress rehearsal here, George, bare minimum is worth dressing as many starters on offense as you can and giving them even the whole first quarter, just to kind of, again, get some sort of momentum going here before the season actually does start.
1: And that's not an easy opener. It's not an FCS school. They're, they're not no. coming out with, with a buy game. You know, you're going against Jacksonville and the reigning division champs who probably are going to come in here with chip on their shoulder and something to prove. I, if I'm the Jaguars, my mentality is we're going to show everybody one a fluke, you know, that we are, especially after the owner comes out and says the division's wide open. Uh, I just think you're going to see Jacksonville coming in here with something to prove. Um, yeah. The Colts need, Every rep they can get, they need every ounce of preparation they can get because it's not a hard schedule overall, but it's a pretty brutal start.
0: It is, and I mean, too, like Colts won last year at, at home uh, against the Jaguars, and so that's another reason why, again, I don't think that the Jags are gonna come in sleepwalking here. You add Calvin Ridley to the team, people are expecting big, you know, big jump from, from Trevor Lawrence here. We're we'll saying year number two, because I'm just gonna throw that rookie year out with Urban Meyer. That doesn't even that doesn't even count. Honestly, yeah. George. But you're right, like that's a Jaguars team that's hungry with big expectations. I think ready to send a message right away that it's not a fluke and they're not, you know, they shouldn't be overlooked. Where you look at the division, a lot of people are looking overlooking the Jaguars just frankly because of the talent um and the rest of the, you know, in the rest of the division. I'm with you. I think they're gonna try to send a message right away that it's their division now. They hadn't had a, a real chance, maybe outside of 2017, to say that um and so they kind of plant their flag week one um against this team and really again send um let everyone know hey we are here and last year was not a fluke or last year was just not a second half we got hot at the right time sort of thing they're here and that's why i feel the cult again it's you got to be able to have some sort of momentum we'll be able to come out hot out of the gate and the more you watch george the least or, or the less and less you believe that's going to happen especially again to no one's surprise yesterday but one of the big highlights from joint practice outside of the fight um, with, I mean, I was going to say with Zaire Franklin and and Jason Kelsey, but it was with everybody, literally everybody and got involved one way or another. Outside of that storyline, the other storyline, George, was the offensive line getting smoked. Again, not a surprise when you have one of the best defensive lines in the NFL you're going against, um, and they run like eight deep, like legitimately. Um, It's unbelievable how good that Eagles defense is, especially with the depth they have. So it's not a surprise.
1: They They somehow got better. They were great last year, and they added –
0: to it. I mean, Jalen Carter was one of the best offensive linemen in college football last year. He like, falls to ten, and he's kicking the you know what out of any cult he's going against yesterday. Kind of almost, uh, it's just like, again, not a surprise, but with how this offensive line is being paid and the expectations, it's a situation where again, you get embarrassed like that, George. I'll say this: I hope yesterday or Tuesday was a was a wake up call this team needed. Not that there's a lot of positivity, right? It, it's like we're hyping this team up. It's like we're talking about, oh wow, maybe they're going to be better than we thought, right? We have not said it on this podcast. There's not a lot of optimism or actual legitimate belief outside of the owner of this team being a surprise team or being anywhere near a 500 team in year number one. So it's not like you have to like temper expectations, but I really do hope bare minimum Tuesday and the ass whooping that the Colts got was a nice wake up call and a reminder of. That's a standard. Philly is a standard, right? That is where we want to be. That is the level we want to be playing at. And so if they're here, we are all the way down here at the bottom, George. If they're at letter A, we're at letter like G right now. We're nowhere close. There's they're stratospheres between the Eagles right now and the Colts. And so I hope that that serves as a wake-up call and a, a kind of a reminder of, hey, we are nowhere close where we want to be. Any good feelings or any thought of positivity we have, wipe it away because, wow, we got humbled today. And if anything, hopefully that just serves as some sort of motivator um, and erases any false hope there may have been of, oh, maybe we'll be better than we thought.
1: It kind of goes back to what you're talking about at the top of the the pod, though, too. Chance to show a little bit of fight, a little bit of scrappiness. Okay, you got pushed around. You got shoved around uh, by Philly on Tuesday. How are you going to respond on Thursday? You come out, um, you know, in their stadium, and even if it's their backups, we talked about that backup defensive line – still probably start for a lot of teams in this league. They're that deep. So, you know, how are you going to respond? Can you come out and have a better showing? That's part of what we're going to see this year. When, when there's going to be adversity, there's adversity for everybody. There's going to be adversity for Philly. There's adversity for everyone. There's going to be a lot of adversity here. And that's known. I think the Colts have talked about it and been pretty open about it. The big question is how are they going to respond? And so you, like you were talking about already, the offense has not put up, the first team offense has not put up points either in preseason games or in practices. Can he go out and score? That'd be huge. A field goal drive would be huge, you know, here in Philly. So to me, it's all part of that, that, that mentality you're talking about building at at the very beginning of this, if you're going to set this culture and you're going to be a team that fights Thursday's a chance to answer the
0: bell. And a big, you know, topic we talked about a lot is bouncing back from adversity or how do you react to adversity Richardson to his credit individually right when he's had a bad practice he's bounced back and and gotten better this is gonna be the first chance like you said not that he himself was bad per se yesterday but it's like one of those where the overall team got pushed around like you said there frankly we talked about after practice yesterday like it's one of those where he got you know hit um and he thought you know kind of again like if you're gonna fight me come from the front and goes maybe I have a chance now to knock him between the eyes on Thursday so you're right like I hope Come Thursday night, George, I don't care. Like I said, if it's all against backups, don't, doesn't matter. It's just a, more about the principle of, okay, you got punched in the mouth on Tuesday. How do you get up, right? How do you get up and now try to deliver a counter punch on Thursday? Um, Especially on, look, it's a, a nationally televised game. It's on Amazon. I don't know how many people are, are running to Amazon, George, to be honest with you, to watch the Colts starters take on the Eagles backups. But it is a naturally televised game where bare minimum, it doesn't matter, and scoring points would be nice, but if you can show some fighting competence, I, I think you're 100% right. That would be the best thing for this team coming out of training camp and at least to get yourself, again, to kind of establish some sort of culture and identity. This could be a nice way to start setting the foundation now heading into week number one. Okay.
1: Be big in games, That's where the people are going to Amazon. Be huge in Gainesville.
0: That's true. Oh, people will be watching. People will be watching. That is for sure. Um, a big date is coming up, George. A huge date, Tuesday, August 29th. A big date for two reasons. Number one, that's final cut day. We'll get into that in a second because I think there's a few positions that are really, you know, Thursday is going to mean a lot to a few positions um, to see who makes the final roster, who does not. That is one reason why uh, Tuesday, October, uh, October. Jeez, I'm already, I'm already fast forwarding ahead here. I have to wait the season to move
1: into to Halloween time here.
0: Jeez, let's slow down the summer. I'm not ready to let it go yet. So it's August, damn it. August 29th. Uh, That's one reason why that date is so big. The other reason, George, is for Jonathan Taylor, the Colts have to activate, or if he's on the team by then, the Colts have to activate him. If he's not on the team, he's somewhere on someone else's roster. That team has to activate him off the pup list by August 29th, or he is going to miss the first month of the season. Let's start with the JT aspect first here, since obviously that's still in the news a lot, George. Do you expect, do you like, how would, what would, what are you expecting going into that final cutdown day for Jonathan Taylor? Is he going to be on puppy think by the time August 30th comes around, or do you expect by the 29th, he'll be activated from pop bare minimum uh, and able to practice?
1: I mean, at this point, I don't expect anything in this saga because it just right. keeps taking so many twists and turns. You know, I don't know what, what's going to come next. Uh, but it does provide a really hard deadline here and I think that's really interesting because if he's not traded by then like you said then he's got to come off pub uh if if he doesn't come off pub he's got to be there for the first four games of the season and the, I, I believe the trade deadline is October uh, is only 31st after that I think it's eight yes. weeks in the season so you'd be looking at literally half that time. You wouldn't even be playing. And let's be honest, very few people come off pup and play the next week. Especially people who haven't been in any kind of team activity since December. They didn't do any in the spring, they didn't do in the any training camp. So it's probably more like five or six games. Four that are guaranteed, but in reality, it's probably more like five or six games. At that point, I think it trades off off the table. I mean, if if you're not gonna play until you know two weeks before the trade deadline, Highly unlikely anyone's gonna that didn't already, you know, if they didn't feel like making the trade before Tuesday, I don't know how waiting six weeks is gonna change their mind. Um, but w- without any, you know, anything being shown from from Jonathan Taylor, so I think that makes it a really hard deadline in two ways. One, if a deal's not done, then he's got to make that choice, you know, how much am I willing to risk? Do I want to get out there? Maybe give a chance that somebody will make a deal in October. And two, if, if someone's talking about making a deal, that becomes the hard deadline because of it. Now, if they're talking on the 28th and things are looking well, maybe he comes off pub on the 29th, gets traded on the 30th. It's not like that hard of a deadline. But it's. I think it adds intrigue to a situation that's already incredibly intriguing. And it makes me wonder if that's not part of the reason why the Colts went ahead and, and granted the permission when they did, because if I don't know how angry he is, but all indications are very angry. Um, you know, all indications are that the Colts have been sleeping on the couch here, right? That, that he is done. And this is a way for them to, to one explore the market which I think was primarily what you're doing, but two, it gives you that chance now to to have some leverage on cut down day because of what we were just talking about. If you sit out four, five, six games, the trade market's gone. So if a deal doesn't happen now, it could happen in October. We've talked about the, the Christian McCaffrey situation before on here. Go out, look really good making a a market that's not there. We don't know what's going to happen around the rest of the league. Somebody gets hurt. All of a sudden a team that wasn't in the market now is, you know, those are things that happen every year. All of it seems to come down to Tuesday. I mean, it, it just, that is such a huge day now because he's either here or he's not here. He's on pup or he's not on pup. And all four of those, you know, potential outcomes have massive implications going forward.
0: That's why, George, I would be shocked. I would truly be shocked if we're sitting here on Wednesday, August 30th, and Jonathan Taylor's still on PUP. Because yeah. I think you're right. If he's on PUP on August 30th, he's not getting traded. It's over. He's a colt in 2023. Lock it up, no doubt about it. I don't think a trade's happening either way. But if you're Jonathan Taylor, you have no choice but to be activated from PUP. We don't, again, maybe I'm being naive here, and maybe this is just me playing into it, and this is what he wants me to believe. I'm starting to believe that Jonathan Taylor is actually more hurt than I thought initially. Like, I think I, we started this pod as soon as like you know the, the they reported training camp. I said oh, he's holding in, like this is not an injury per se. This is more just him trying to send a message. But you leave for rehab. Um, now, if you want to trade again, your trade value is not increased by you being on pup. And so again, like you said, when the trade deadline in season is August uh, October 31st, I I don't know why <laughs> October and August are getting reversed in my head. This is a brutal pod. Holy cow. Trade me, George. Sheesh.
1: Hey, it's rough. It's still preseason. You got to work out the, the kinks.
0: You're right about that. You're right. This is this is us getting our ass kicked right now in practice. We're going to bounce back when the regular season matters. We got to show some fight. I think you're right in the sense that if he's on Pup, bare minimum is missing the first four games. And because he hasn't done any sort of team activity since uh, December, it's unrealistic to expect Okay, those four weeks expire. Here comes week number five, and John Taylor's going to go on the field and be back to midseason four. Bare minimum, if he's playing in week number five, you got a lot of rust to knock off. And that's a dangerous game to play if you have four games to showcase why you should be traded, and you're going to need one or two bare minimum to knock the rust off. you don't want a two-game sample size that's going to determine if a team wants to give up a first- or a second-round pick to trade for you in season, it's too slim, too slim of a margin. So, number one, just the timeline in terms of getting traded. No team's trading for him, by the way, if he's starting the season on PUP. No chance. You know what I mean? So, like, that's – you're not getting traded if you start on PUP. But also, we saw with Shaq Leonard, you can be activated off the PUP list and still miss games, right? Shaq was not playing till week four. He's activated by the time the regular season started. Last year, in the deadline for last season, they didn't miss the first three games as a week-by-week basis. Bare minimum, if you're John and Taylor and you actually are hurt – um. Being activated off pup at least allows you to go week by week, um, and get on the field maybe sooner than you think. But either way, George, if you want to get traded, I think you got to show and kind of like McCaffrey did last year, you got to show you're healthy and can back and can get back to normal, which means playing. And again, if you're Jonathan Taylor, still, and if you're the Colts, that you know the best thing for JT, his best interest is playing, and playing well. And then the other thing I'll say, George, is, is intriguing to me is. Early on right now, right? The reports are that Jonathan Taylor wants to be traded, but he also wants to be traded and get a new contract. He wants both. So he's not like looking to run out of dodge and go anywhere but Indy. He's only looking to get traded if that team that's trading for him gives him a contract that he wants. If you get into the season, this is another thing why I don't think he's going to get traded. I don't think Jonathan Taylor is getting a contract extension. Like if he's off pup and he plays the first six games and plays well, name any, the Bears... The Cowboys, like, even if there's an injury and a team is more desperate, I don't see a team in week seven trading for Jonathan Taylor and then giving him $15 million a year. I think if you're trading for Jonathan Taylor in season, you're trading for his contract as is and you're going to circle back at the end of the year. And if you're Jonathan Taylor, where you like, tell me if I'm wrong, George. I For everything we've seen, I don't think he's mad at the Colts in general. I think he's mad at the Colts because they're not paying him. Like, he wants to get paid more than... Just get away from the Colts because they've been they've wronged him so far and he hates the organization and he hates the mercy. Like, he hates the fact more that he's not getting paid. So I don't think it's a situation where he's desperate to get out of town. He's willing to take a pay cut. He's willing to play at his current salary um, and just go to any team right now but the Colts. I don't think he's going to be thrilled and or enthused if he's on the Cowboys, let's say this season, but he's playing for the same contract he's playing with now. So also too, if you're JT, like I think at, one, at some point, like if you play in season, I don't think you're in the contract you want, which is why if you're playing well, I don't see how you know, it benefits him to go somewhere else and learn a new system on the fly. Where you could say in Indy, especially if you're playing well early on, have a you know recreate 2021 and then revisit the entire market, revisit the entire Trader Quest after the season. Like do you do you see that, George? Like if he plays, if he's not traded by week number one but he's, he's off pup. Do you see a situation where if he plays well, kind of like Christian McCaffrey, he's traded, but do you see a situation where he's traded and given a contract in season by another team?
1: I can't see it happening in team, you know, in season. I can see the situation between him and the team continuing to escalate the way it has pretty much every day since training camp started uh, and him just saying, I just want out, you know, and, and uh, accepting a trade without a contract. Um, but I can't see him. I can't see a team you know, in October suddenly deciding to do it. If they weren't willing to do it now, um, I can't see them two months from now deciding that, yeah, well, now's the right time. Um, but the one, the one way I can see him staying on Pup, like the one... Because there's always a wrinkle here. The one sort of leverage that he has in that situation is stays on Pup, doesn't come back until week eight or week nine. There's no trade. But Come back at full strength. I think it's eight games he has to play to, to accrue a season.
0: I think it's six, I
1: believe. It's six. So even if it's just those six, you know, come back at full strength for how many games that you have to be there. I mean, what if the Colts are winless or have one win when, when he takes the field and he looks phenomenal? It's 2021 JT all over again. They make a little run at the end of the year that might be really good for his market too. Like I could see that as being another potential wrinkle here to, to show, you know, within a season, but it's, it's a big risk because if you sit out that time and you don't play well, then you've sunk your
0: market. I, you're 100% right. Again, like you said, there's a lot of rust to knock off. If he misses half the year, let's just say, and your um, theory plays out, George, we're talking about almost, almost a full year since he's been on the field, right? It was like middle December when he got hurt against to the to Vikings. If you're back, I don't know, first, second week in November, right? Midway through the year, eight or nine games you miss. Like, again, not only talking about now being so far removed from the field where you're almost a year out from playing, but also then, like I said, you got to hit the ground running where you got to come back and basically be rushing for bare minimum, hundred yards a game. And if you haven't played in a year and it's like, again, it's like he's practicing. So it's not like he's like ready to go and he's going to come into the game ready to go in full game shape and at the peak of his play, he's going to have a lot of rust to knock off. And so, again, if you're banking on, if you're JT, I'm going to play great in eight games. This team is going to suck the first half of the season. I'm going to make them so much better in, you know, in the second half of the year, show them how much um, Anthony Richardson and Co. needs me. Daddy, you have a thread in the needle, George, where you need risky. everything to go right. You stay healthy. You at the top of the game despite missing basically a year. The offensive line blocking well for you too. That's also part of it. Like that's out of his control. The offensive line stinks like they did last year. (laughs) Good luck trying to find a lot of running lanes and running for um, running like he did in 2021. It's. I just think at that point the risk is not worth it because, like I said, if that happens and he fails, basically two years down the drain, gone. Any leverage you have with a trade and/or contract, gone. And now we've seen right just like that. How many running backs go from top of their game? So basically out of the league. Todd Gurley got a contract extension from the Rams, didn't even play long enough to see the contract kick in with his team, went to the Falcons for like a year or two, and now like, I, I think he's out of the league. So like, if you're so. Jonathan Taylor, like, it is a fine line you're playing, not just about getting the money you want, George, but also two years, you don't play well. Like Teams move on and forget about you fast at that position.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not for long, right? That's, that's what the NFL stands for. We know that. It's definitely that for running backs. Um, And there's also – you know, what if the team plays well while you're gone? What if you're banking on things going really poorly? What if they're four and four in those eight games and the run game looks decent? You know, I mean, you just don't know how things are going to turn out. And that's why I think ultimately I just thrown that out there because it's this always it just always feels like this saga has some turn coming. You don't see you don't expect. So that's one potential like speed bump that, that, that could happen. But to me, you know, you go down that road. I just think it's more evidence that one of two things is going to happen on August 30th: Jonathan Taylor is going to be on another roster, or he's going to be off pup. I, I those two things we look, we know well enough from this summer. Anything can happen. There's any possibility, but those two have to be the heavy clubhouse favorites right now.
0: I would definitely agree with that because I just can't see a situation where he's on pup this time next week, right? A week from today as we're recording on Wednesday, because then he's got nothing what he wants. He's missing the first four games. He's not getting traded. Um, and he's, again, going to have to work his way back and play with the Colts in 2023, which for right now, it seems like in his mind, the worst case scenario. Let's. I want to throw one thing by you here before we kind of finish the pot off with a little uh, roster watch. So there's a lot of discussions now, right? Since the Colts have officially uh, granted his trade request or allowed him to look for teams, Trade possibilities, which seems make sense. We talked about the Dolphins a little bit. We talked about the Bears on the last pod. If you missed it, Blue Orsher podcast on YouTube, Blue Orsher pod, wherever you do get your podcasts. Emergency late night pod after the news was broken on Monday night about JT getting his trade request, at least allowed to search for teams. NFL.com had this trade proposal out there, George. I want to get your thoughts. If you're Chris Ballard, would you accept or decline? Straight up, the Raiders trading Josh Jacobs to the Colts for Jonathan Taylor to describe the running backs switching places. If you are Chris Ballard and you had a call from the Raiders, are you taking that deal? I don't think so. Um, I
1: think on Madden I'm doing it. You know, in 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 fantasy football, I'm doing it. Um, but I just don't you're just trading the same problem for a different player. And one you don't know as well. I mean, at least with Jonathan Taylor, you know him. You he's been in a locker room, you drafted him. Uh, You've been, you know, through every step of the process. The only way I think you make that move is if Shane Steichen comes in and says, Hey, Josh Jacobs is perfect fit for what I want to do. You put him in this offense. We're winning the division. Well, Okay. Then I'll make the trade. Highly unlikely that that happens, that that he would walk in and and make that kind of statement. Um, So I, you know, I I don't think I would do it uh, because again, I, what's the difference? why, why, is Jacob's going to show up here and be like, yeah, all that contract talk that I had in Vegas is over. I'm just so happy to be an in Indy. Uh, you know, I'm just going to play and, and have a great season. And then I'm going to take a below market deal at the end of the year. That's not reality. That's not happening. And no more sense on, on Vegas's side, you know, you, they at least know right now, at least sounds like Josh Jacobs is going to be there by week one. So they're in a better situation than the Colts are. Why do you want to bring in Jonathan Taylor and, and, you know, paying more than than the franchise tag you're going to pay josh jacobs it doesn't make any sense to me
0: right at least from a colt's perspective josh jacobs you know is healthy compared to john and taylor with his health being up in the air so i don't see why the raiders no makes no sense for them to do it but you're right both running backs are mad at the same issue they're mad at their teams are not paying them so now they're going to swap teams and go to a different locale. Maybe JT likes the heat better and likes Vegas. I don't know. Maybe he's a roulette player and is excited to kind of go to the casino whenever he wants. Um, but otherwise, you're swapping places, but the same issue still exists. So you're right. Jo- Josh Jacobs is not going to come here a happy camper because, oh, now i found the way from Las Vegas. It's not Las Vegas. He It's just like JT does not hate Indy. It's the situation and the contract that teams are not giving them. Colts, I don't see why if they're not paying Jonathan Taylor, why all of a sudden they would give Josh Jacobs an extension before he plays here in week number one. I'm with you. It, you're trading places, but the issue at heart remains the same for both. So you're not going to get an any more motivated player uh, on either side because they're not getting what they want. So I'm with you. That trade does not make any sense. But I saw it. It was interesting. I'd never seen uh, at least a proposal like that before. You know, you see a lot of draft picks on out there, but a player for player, I thought it was interesting. So I wanted to run that bio. All right, finally. We talked about, about this. August. How about
1: this? since we trading disgruntled players? Okay. How about Jonathan Taylor to the 49ers for Nick Bosa?
0: And in who says no first george
1: yeah one well, just those spots you know hey
0: jonathan taylor to the chiefs for chris jones
1: right there's another one those, those two deals i like better than the jacobs deal
0: could you imagine grover stewart deforest buckner chris jones look like <laughs> philly let's go but who else can we throw out there oh boy how about Justin Jefferson for Jonathan Taylor? He's not gotten a contract extension yet. Yeah, Diggs
1: was a little bit upset too, so Diggs for Taylor. Wow. Well,
0: he said about not getting the ball in Buffalo. Boy, oh boy. can I imagine a fireworks that could, uh, that could start here in Indy <laughs> when Anthony Richardson doesn't look his way 20 times a game. It's only 19 targets for Stephon Diggs at week number two. Watch out, George. Hey, I, I take that Fireworks.
1: Because he's already got Josh Downs in the huddle telling him to get him the ball. He doesn't need Diggs in here, too. All right. I rescind that trade
0: request. Downs and Diggs are going to be fighting, you know, breaking the huddle of who's getting the ball. You shut up. I'm getting the ball. No, you shut up. I'm open here. (laughs) We're going to get a brawl My own teammates on the field, which is something we've never seen too often before. You want want drama. That is drama right there, George. We do, though, have some drama on the roster. No fighting. No fighting. But who is going to make the roster? Right? August 29th is big day to see if Jonathan Taylor's is going to be off pup or not. Also big day, final roster cut down day, George. Three positions, and especially going to Thursday's preseason finale, I'm excited to watch. I think three positions that, to me, are the most intriguing. We can kind of break it down here quickly in terms of the Colts having hard decisions to make. Receiver, tight end, defensive line. Let's start a receiver. right? I, it looks like they're going to take five receivers. I think we can automatically lock up four guys. Michael Pittman Jr., hot take, George, going to be on the roster. Alec Pierce really on the roster. Isaiah McKenzie on the roster. Josh Jones on the roster. Do you have any pushback, any hot takes there? Might jump in the gun too much on any of those four guys being locks to be on this team? They've been locked since draft day. Damn, I was hoping for a little hot take there. Okay. So those four guys are locks. The fifth and final spot is what's up for grabs. Rashad Perryman, Amari Rogers, James Washington was also brought in as well. And you have the possibility on roster cut down day, are they going to save that fifth spot for maybe another receiver that could get cut from another team here? If you to handicap, George, who you want to see, who you think has the inside edge, who maybe is the best fit, like for that fifth receiver spot, how would you forecast right now going to the final preseason game? Who would you want to see? Or who has the kind of upper hand, if you will.
1: So hard because, and we talked about this a little bit, you know, after Ashton Doolin got hurt, um, The special teams aspect of it, not that you're going to have somebody come in, step in and be the gunner, which, by the way, Jalen Jones looked pretty good against the Bears. That's going to get lost with good reason and everything else. But uh, he did. He looked pretty good against the Bears in that role. And and they need someone to step in. Um, But the special teams aspect of it. And then, you know, as well, like you brought up when when I said, I thought Amari Rogers sort of at that time. If you're just picking on, like, rewarding the guy who's had the best camp, he was sort of that guy. Uh, but he's more that slot kind of receiver, you know, fits in with more downs and McKenzie. And, you know, who ends up being that backup to Pittman and, and Pierce and, and that, you know, I think all of that plays into, like, does that give straw in the upper hand because he's kind of that Pittman-Pierce, you know, guy? Do you go with the 42 yards per reception that James Washington has as a Colt right now, bring him in there. Um, I mean, he's a vet and and he's got a longer resume than most of these experiments. Probably the only guy, you know, who's, who's been in the league longer. And I think Washington has been more productive. So, you know, and the Steelers also have done like a terrific job identifying receivers. So the fact that he was drafted by Pittsburgh, I, I'm just going to go with James Washington right there. The fact that Pittsburgh drafted him, tells me he's probably good enough to be the fifth receiver here in, in Indy I 42 yards per catch.
0: That's true. You can't, you can't argue that. And you know what? if Mason roof gets cut. Maybe bring him in as well and unite that know. Oklahoma state duo that tore it up a few years ago in college football. I'll go for Shad Perryman. I like the veteran experience. I like the fact that again, he fits the profile where like for Amari Rogers, you look like they have Isaiah McKenzie. They have Josh Downs. The slot is covered. You keep Amari Rogers. All of a sudden you look around and it's, Pittman, Pierce, and no one else in terms of fitting that role. James Washington does fit that outside receiver role. That's what I think they have to prioritize more than anything, George. I think, again, I'll go Perryman, you're going Washington. Can I sit here and say either one like have to be locks? No. And I left out Michael Strawn. Thank you for bringing his name up. Same thing. But I think what has to be a guarantee is that outside receiver body type. Strawn, Perryman, Washington fit that. So I think if you are the culture now, you look at that depth, Pittman goes down with an injury, Pierce goes down with an injury. No disrespect to Josh Jones, he's not going on the outside and winning many one on one matchups there against some big, uh, long corners. So that's what has, I think has to be the priority for receiver George is that fifth and final receiver spot has to profile as an outside receiver, a big body guy more than anything else.
1: Yeah, I think so. Uh, because again, the special team single, you know, we'll see how that works out. Um, but you can get that from other spots, you can get that from corner, you can get that from linebacker, you can get that from running back. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to come here. I do think that they've got to have somebody because, again, what happens if, if Pierce or Pittman goes down in the middle of the game? You know, you're going to be in a lot of trouble if you don't have somebody. You know, it was Iberflue said all the time, a pair and a spare. That's what you need at every position. And they don't have a spare right now there. No. So uh, I do think that the, you got to lean that way.
0: And they got a flat tire. They are screwed, George. They're calling triple A. They're absolutely calling triple A. no donut going on the car uh, on the side of the road. Um, so obviously tight end and, and receiver are linked, right? So if you have five receivers, probably going to you're ca- going to carry an extra tight end Gonna have four tight ends. It's kind of about nine roughly is that kind of number between the two positions. So if we're going five receivers, George, going to be four tight ends. This is fascinating because not only the lack of experience, but also the lack of health, frankly, in this position group so far in training camp, George, where if you're going to carry four tight ends, I think there are five guys legitimately can make the team. Mo Alley-Cox, Jelani Woods, Drew Ogletree, Will Maui, Kylan Granton. Five guys for four spots. Right now, who would you predict to be the odd man out?
1: Uh, right now, I think it might be Mo. Just because every year there's this wow. shocker. That, that,
0: would a shocker. that would and, be a shocker. back. That would be a shocker. I
1: can't believe you know what's happened. But I, I can see a world where they say, okay, Drew Ogletree is our blocking tight end. He's gonna, he's gonna handle that. And then you've got Woods and Granson in the passing game and then Will Mallory, who they really like and has looked good when he's been on the field. He's not been on a lot, uh, you know, goes in and and can do uh, be that that extra tight end for you and and can come in for either Granson or Woods if needed. There's also a world where they try to sneak Mallory onto the, the practice squad or maybe he starts the year on injured reserve, especially if he gets hurt again. I mean, he's, he's had problems with the hamstring Throughout and any of them, you know, I mean, Johnny Woods maybe starts the year on injured reserve. I, I think there's that might be one of the ways this turns out too. just because there's been so many injuries in that group that probably any one of them could could start the year on IR, um, you know, and, and be a possible solution to
0: all this. I love the bold take. I do. That's one where I think you're right. It would be a shocker if you hear Moelle Cox is as, as one of the names cut on Tuesday. Um. So credit, if we, if you, if that happens, you heard it here first on the blue horseshoe pod, George Bremmer kind of put that idea out there, which I think is fascinating. And I, I respect, and I love your boldness, George. I unfortunately can't match it. I think right now, if I had to prick the odd man out of the five, I think it's Drew Ogletree, just in the sense of he's not been healthy this year, obviously missed the entirety of last year. He showed a lot of promise, but in a tight end group, that's not shown a lot. Honestly, I think at this point, just health right now has to be your, your biggest priority. Your best ability, right, is your availability. And I know, again, Molly Cox missed a lot of time. Jelani Woods is still working his way back from injury. Um, as well, Mil- Will Mallory started on pup, but at least now has been healthy and, and productive so far. So I think it's if you're the Colts, I think you got to prioritize health and availability. And Moley Cox is right now the biggest veteran presence, plus arguably probably the best blocker on this team. Kylan Grantson again, has been healthy, and he's more of a receiver type, right? Oh, yeah. And You like what Jelani Woods, the promise he showed last year. So I think he's a lock. And now it's like Will Mallory and or Drew Ogletree, kind of that final spot. Will Mallory has been the healthy one. He's been the guy that's been, again, more available. And if you want to talk about practice squad, kind of sneaking one in. I would probably say it's a little easier to sneak Ogletree through just because, again, he's not showing. Like, there's no tape on him, basically, for the most part. For another team to look at it or or take. So that's what I'll go right now. Drew Ogletree is the odd man now. Just from the, again, the lack of health and lack of availability right now. Um, in the two years he's, or I guess really the year and a half, he's been, um, he's been with the Colts. So that's going to be a fascinating position to watch. And also to George defensive end, man, defensive end is going to be loaded in, or de- right. Sorry. I said defensive end. You're right. The entire defensive line is how many bodies that they do have and how many guys, you know, probably won't make it. You have what? About 14 guys in camp right now. Nine, right? Eight or nine guys going to make the roster for the defensive line. And so you have guys, you know, that you drafted. Titus Leo, right? A rookie as well. Atatoma. Uh, Atatoma. Atabare. I've been Tom practicing. Me, I've been yeah. practicing. I think I butchered his, his first name. I apologize. I I, I do apologize there. I've tried George. It's still tra- It's still training camp. You're right. Atatoma. Atabare. I think... I hope I'll be on two days after this podcast. I promise getting that right. But that's a guy where again, like you take two guys um, in the draft, both are not locks to make the team. And so that, that's a position I think it's fascinating to watch. And again, you're not going to boil roster spots down to one game, but I think Thursday night's preseason game, maybe more than any position is going to come, kind of come down to who's on the team. And who's not based on how Thursday goes.
1: But there's guys like Eric Johnson in that mix. Um, you know, Taven Bryan is a former first round pick, is in that mix. Uh, I, I Akidie Muhammad is back. Akidie Muhammad who come, came back, you know, is is in that mix. Um, I think there are some locks in there. I mean, I think starters probably gonna be Quitty, Um and then obviously Buckner and Stewart, and then either Ebukam or Odego. So I'll put both of them in as locks.
0: So five right
1: there. Tycon Lewis makes six. I can't see him not making the team. You maybe only got three spots for, for all those other guys we talked about. You know, and that's that's a really competitive, really competitive spot here at the end of the roster. I mean, corner we keep talking about, but I don't think there's anybody that gets cut that, that you're going to be falling off a chair at that position. It's just a bunch of young guys trying to, to figure out you know, who gets in that role, but I don't know if there's a cut at corner that's just going to be like a Mo Alley-Cox could potentially be where, you know, you're just stunned. Um, defensive line could be that way though. I and mean, there could be a name here where you're like, they cut him?
0: And two, like, I think it's, this is maybe the position too where you have the biggest balance of experience and youth, where it's like a, truly a mix of both. And if I'm Chris Ballard, George, with this roster, how it's shaping out, I would go with the youth. Like Khalid Kareem, Taven Bryan, again, I know like those are guys that bear on in the league. And like I said, Brian is a former first-round pick. But it's like I think I'd rather trust right now Titus Leo and Adebare just because, again, it's like the youth movement. This team is building for, let's say, 2025, 2026. Are, like is Khalid Kareem going to be on the team in 2026, George? No. Is Taven Bryan going to be on the team and a contributor in 2026? No. But Titus Leo absolutely could be. Adibara, you hope could be as well. Like I think I'd rather give the benefit of the doubt to the young, inexperienced guys you draft, just Absolutely. because again they don't need veteran leadership and they have it right now with our starters. Right, Ebukam has been around. Obviously, Grover Stewart, DeForest Buckner have been around. Quiddy Pay is now becoming a vet as well and, and having his voice become louder and louder in that room. So Tyquan Lewis, not played a lot, but he's been you now he's been around this team and been around the league now for a few years, where you can have legitimate veteran presence and depth. At the front line, I think the back line should be a lot of those inexperienced youth players, rookies, second year guys, because those are the ones where you hope you could develop to where, again, when you are trying to become a playoff team, you can bare minimum build depth behind the starters you have now. But hopefully, those guys are important players when, again, when you hope this offense, especially, is ready to take off and you are now ready to contend, which, again, those, you know, a lot of those guys are kind of on the bubble. Those guys don't fit the profile. Taven Bryant does not fit the profile. I'll be on this team in three years.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, Tyus just looked really good in the preseason so far. I think that's something that that can't be missed. He would, he was the one that really created that interception for Darius rush in Buffalo. You know, his, his pass rush there really hurried that throw uh, caused it to, to end up the way it did. And I think he had a sack against the bears. He had a sack or, or big hit against the bears. Um, You know, the, the kid's been taking advantage of his opportunities. And I think coaches, Generally, like to do that, right? They they like to go and reward the guy. Uh, that's why I think DJ Baker, Daryl Baker, however you want to go with that, uh, is, is going to be a starter at corner. They they coaches love to reward the guys. Took advantage of opportunities. To me, on the defensive line right now, that guy's Titus as
0: Leo. I, and again, especially with the youth as well, it just benefits. Like I said, rewarding the young guys, but also rewarding good play and earning it. I mean, I think it's at this point, this season has to be investing for the future. And that's a position, that's a guy, George, like I said, I think he's worth investing in and keeping on your roster and developing instead of, again, some older veterans that probably are stopgaps for a year or two and then then gone as well. All right, so that'll do for this edition of the Blue Horseshoe Pod. Very exciting news for the podcast. Guess what? We are not only a football pod, we are now officially a football pod. George, tell the audience Wednesday night
1: where you will be. Yeah, going down to Cincinnati to watch uh, Inter-Messi. That's a they call them Miami, but I'm pretty sure it's Inter messi So I think Inter Miami was in last place. Inter messi is the league's cup champion. Two different teams here, uh, but I do think yeah that that's I'm still kind of pitching myself. I can't believe this is going to happen. Um, I may just watch number ten all night. I'll just I'll be honest with you. There's gonna be 21 other guys out there. I may only watch number ten.
0: Are you going to ask him if he's interested in joining the Colts at all? Could use a kicker. Maybe you know he's go with his feet. Maybe yeah, defensive back. Maybe a receiver. Like. You gonna throw a Colts question? In the, hey, Messi, you're tearing up the MLS. Like, maybe let's see what else you can do. How about you know, go drive down the road a little bit, come to Indy, and maybe suit up.
1: Trasko is gonna recruit Jonathan Taylor to Miami. See how that works. Hmm. To bring him down there. Uh what position would he play? I mean, kicker's the obvious one. That that's the one that that, that really makes the most sense. Um, but he's got such good vision. He's you know, a very creative guy. Like. I don't know if he can throw, but can you put him at quarterback? I mean, the way that he, he sees space, I think that's what makes him so great.
0: I would say receiver, right? He can, see, he can see, he can read the defense, yeah. find the holes in the defense. Great feet. So you would assume he'd be a good, crisp route runner. I don't know what his hands are yeah, like. So maybe, it. you know, maybe got to get him the jugs machine, George. Maybe, uh, maybe throw it, like, in the press scrum, i sure, before after the game. Maybe bring a football, throw it, see how, you know, see his reactions. Maybe he yeah, it right away. That. He's like a natural a natural athlete. Outside of the hands, George, I think receiver right now, line him up. There, you know what? There's the fifth receiver, George. There he is. Salt. That'll put butts in the seats, huh? It's Obviously, it's working. <laughs> from now
1: on the other side of it, there's no question about that. Colts tickets go for $12,000, apparently, if, if you bring him out here. So, we'll see.
0: Let me ask you this really fast. I'll put you on the spot, but I'm curious. This is like, you are obviously a journalist, right? You are, are a paid professional and journalists are not supposed to be fans and you're not a fan, but because you're a journalist for the Colts, does now having a different sport, are you going to like try to take a picture? Are you going to ask for an autograph? Are you going to break any journalistic <laughs> no. rules here in Cincinnati? Maybe try to get a photo or an autograph from the goat right now. As you do see him in person for maybe the only time ever in your life.
1: All the rules still apply. And I don't ah. know. that I don't even know. Um, that I'll be in his vicinity. I mean, I, I don't know how everything shakes out there. Um, there's a press conference afterwards, but I think it's more like, uh, I think it's sort of handled more like college basketball, you know, back when I was at ball state and, and you did that to bring both coaches in. And then there might be like a player from each team that comes in. So there's no guarantee. It probably highly unlikely that I'll even be, you know, any closer to him than from the press box of the field, but just just the fact that I'm gonna see him play live is still something that i I, I can't really I'm still not actually realizing it's gonna happen
0: well, how he's playing, it's a guarantee you'll you'll see him score a goal on Wednesday, which is gonna be very cool. Stand in person, one of the best to ever do it. very cool, very exciting for you, George. That's gonna be an awesome non-football but absolutely football experience. So maybe that's what our pod especially if it gets ugly on Thursday night. Maybe that could be <laughs> the lead for That'll the. On Friday morning, but that'll be our schedule, Dane's, by the way. things
1: coming right into your backyard after this. So it'll be in Cincinnati on Wednesday and then New York on Saturday.
0: I can't say I'll be as a diehard football, but not football fan. I can't pretend um, that I'll be excited to see that. I will be more locked into Notre Dame Navy week zero, George. And I will be. Mes- I, honestly, I didn't even know Messi was coming here to New York. You you just are me for, for the first time. So I apologize to soccer fans out there. But yeah, that's in Dublin. Let's go. Get me to week zero, George. It's going to be huge. Huge. It's going to be huge. Huge, huge, huge. Sam Harmon era does begin here with Marcus Freeman. All right. So you heard before, our next pod is going to be Friday morning after the Colts preseason finale against the Eagles. We'll, we'll break down everything and kind of give you some final, maybe not, well, I think we'll do a separate pod, George, roster predictions. Um, on Maybe that Sunday or Monday going into cut day, but definitely some, Training camp takeaways, some some final thoughts as we do kind of enter then season mode after the training camp finale, we have preseason finale on Thursday against Eagles. So we'll break that down all. to so make sure, or break that all down. I should say, geez, again, training camp for us here on the, or at least, you know, I'll speak for myself. Training camp for me here on the pod. And, and today's episode was absolutely uh, proof of that. So if you haven't, again, now's the time. Blue Horseshoe Pod, where do you get your podcasts? Blue Horseshoe Pod on YouTube. Subscribe right there. So you're always in the know with George's football adventures and with our football talk as well. Have a great rest of your weekend, George. Enjoy sensing. Enjoy watching the goat in person. And we'll talk to you on Friday morning, right here. Blue horseshoe podcast.